Do you love the ever-changing field of digital and content marketing? Do you have proven experience developing marketing campaigns and leading a team? Named one of the best Christian workplaces in Canada, Focus on the Family Canada is looking to fill the position of Head of Integrated Marketing in Langley, B.C. If you or someone you know feels called to use their marketing and leadership skills to serve families, explore current job openings today at focusonthefamily.ca slash employment. Today on Focus on Family, we'll be exploring the latter years of life, uh, that season past middle age, but before retirement, it often creeps up on us and we just didn't get ready for it. Uh, <laughs> it's time for reflection and maybe a time for some adjustment as, as well. Uh, your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and just for fun, Jim, <laughs> we show you're already having fun. Hey, wait a second. You just feel like you're stumbling on this little intro. I'm about... feeling my age. How's that? <laughs> I think it's funny. Well, we have moments. Uh, <laughs> speaking of age, okay, so you can choose your clothes and shoes sometimes based on comfort more than style. It seems like that is a it's season one. we might be in. What about if your list of contacts, your Rolodex, a lot of the names start with doctor, doctor so-and-so, oh, doctor Yes, so. this is a very common thing for me. Uh, how about it takes you longer to rest than it did to get Tired. That might be a sign that age is creeping up. A, a night bit. out is maybe spent on the patio. Ooh, that? that sounds appealing, actually. <laughs> okay, what about bedtime? Now, this is Gene not and happening. I are down to like 9 o'clock. Yes. We're already exhausted. We, we look at each other, and it's sort of like, who's going to go first? So. Okay, so we're really expressing the fact that we're dipping our toe into that fourth quarter. Well, we, we aren't retirement yet. We're <laughs> maybe past we're middle getting age. There. I look at it as four quarters. You're zero to 20 is the first quarter. You're figuring out the offense and the defense. Then the second quarter quarter is 20 to 40 then you got 40 to to 60 yeah right and then, and then 60 to 80 <laughs> so what what quarter are you in? well i could be in one of those <laughs> i am too and that's the point point. and we want to talk to everybody today about how do we finish well and we've got a wonderful guest to help us in that discussion uh, let's think of the apostle paul who said this in second timothy 4 7 i have fought the good fight i have finished the race i have kept the faith that is the goal it is that's a long-term view and i think a lot of folks um, either are feeling like i get to disengage from responsibility that's what retirement is or they're afraid of it what's next what's around the corner how about this god still has a purpose for you in the fourth quarter mm. that's the best way to look at it and uh, you know it uh, may not be the healthiest time of your life. You're probably coping with a few things, but God still intends for you to be productive. Mm -hmm. And I love that idea. That's how I feel about the fourth quarter. I'm 60. So I've got, you know, I'm just at the beginning of that. And who knows how the Lord will continue to use what Gene and I can do as a couple and as individuals. Yeah. Well, we, as you mentioned, have a great guest with us today, John Goodale. And uh, he is a pastor. He's at First Presbyterian Church here in Colorado Springs. He's written a book that will be the basis for the conversation today. It's called Finishing Well, Biblical Lessons to Maximize Your Later Years. <laughs> and we'll have you uh, stop by focusonthefamily.ca to get your copy or call 800 the letter A in the word family. Pastor John, welcome to Focus. 
Oh, it's good to be with you today. How much fun. Now, let me let me go right at maximizing those last uh, years. I don't know if I like that idea. I might want minimize those last years. I don't want to be working as hard. Well, and I think that's our natural tendency. <laughs> okay. You know, there's a point where we want to coast. Uh, we've worked hard. Uh, we might have less energy. But part of what drove this book was just so many people in the Bible who don't finish well. And you just... Shake your head. and uh, Let's rattle some of those off as you wrote the book. What were the characters in the scripture that caught your attention that didn't finish well? Probably the ones that stood out the most were the kings. I mean, <laughs> David started so strong, yeah. and yet by the end, just kind of a shell of a person and problems mm-hmm. with parenting that, um, that weren't so good. Solomon started out well. By the end, lots of wives had turned away from God, and so many others that just, they started their walk with God strong. And... Uh, by the end, they had just stepped away. Did you find in your research, I mean, what are those common human foibles that pulled them in that direction, that pulled them away from God so they didn't finish well? My sense is a big part of it is we we don't keep our eye on the ball. You know, we we don't look ahead. We don't look down the road. We don't think about, I want to finish like Paul does. What's that going to take? We just focus on today. Yeah. And we focus on tomorrow. And the daily things that just can can be good, but they keep us from a bigger sense of my last years, I want them to be my best years. No, that's good. Uh, you mentioned the story of Joshua, uh, who was, I guess you could refer to him as a general, the military general who led the Jewish people to the promised land. What did his life demonstrate in those latter years? I, what I love about Joshua's story is there's a point in, in the book of Joshua where God says to him, you are very old. And I think, I think, wow, if God is going to say you're very old, then he must have been well along. They didn't have good mirrors back in that time. So <laughs> God had to tell you that. I, hey, I you're don't not think looking so. so good. But, but I also find myself wondering, you know, then God rattles off all these things Joshua still had to do. If there might have been a temptation on his part to think, I've done all these things in the past. It's time to kind of let someone else step in. And God said, Joshua, you've still got more life to live. Mm-hmm. That caution, I want to really dig into that for a minute, that idea that, you know, in your 60s, perhaps, or 70s, maybe early 70s, that you still see a long view. Because some people, you know, they may think, well, it's the fourth quarter, 60 to 80, so now it's going to be wrapping up retirement, taking care of the grandkids now and again, and then, you know, that's kind of what I see as my wrap-up time. Expand that for us. What are some different ways you could be looking at the fourth quarter of your life? My sense would be for folks to look at what they still have to offer the world. Um, You know, what kind of ripples can we still create? Maybe it's children, maybe it's grandchildren, um, but what what do we still have to offer to those around us, um, and how can we do it well? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have an example of what that would look like? Words of blessing, I think, are huge. And, you know, our kids know that we love them. Uh, Our grandkids know that, but sometimes we don't really intentionally tell them why we're proud of them, Mm. what we see in them that's developing, that somehow helps them feel better about themselves, not just because grandma or grandpa love them, but because we're pointing out something that is God in them that they can celebrate. Yeah. I would think that at that time in your life, you become often the mentor. Uh, People may turn to you in your church or in your 
you know, your circle of friendships where you might have a younger couple, for example, and you and your wife might end up either intentionally or unintentionally kind of mentoring that younger couple. That's something we're doing now, John, at Focus is Mm -hmm. signing, uh, you know, experienced uh, couples up that have had longer marriages to help mentor younger married couples. That's a good thing. How do you not stay, I guess, kind of self-focused and in your latter years be able to give back to those around you. Well, and I think you've touched on something key because there are things we lose as we get older, uh, energy, uh, maybe not quite as much chance for success as we had when we were younger, but what we gain is we have perspective. You know, we have years and decades of perspective and to be able to share that wisdom Mm. uh, with people, to look around and not regale people with our stories, but to think, (laughs) who can I build up? Mm. Um, Who can I encourage? I like that. Don't yeah. regale with your stories. That's, let me tell you another one, yeah. John. Back when I was a kid, so I appreciated, John, uh, the prompt for the book, and uh, I turned 62 this past year, and I was I was kind of struck by it. it. It snuck up on me in a way I didn't expect. And I think it's because my dad, who is now 91, retired the month he turned 62. So he's been retired for 29 years. Now, he worked hard. And he did a lot of volunteering after he retired. But I found myself thinking, how did he do that? I have no interest whatsoever in (laughs) retiring. I would like a little capacity, a little space, a little... Extra vacation, Today's Jim. 60 I'm just is forties. Oh, okay. So, to... <laughs> so I... we're expecting twenty more years. Well, out of I you. love what I do. I'm not ready to walk away from that. So I'm energized to give as much as I can at Focus. But there's probably the reality that, as you were just saying, I'm I'm going to wind down. My energy levels won't stay the same. I'm going to flub up intros more and more, Jim. That'll be the <laughs> that'll be the time. Keep drinking uh, coffee. How, how do we approach these milestone birthdays and keep things in the right perspective? I think one thing that's helpful is to not be focused on what we've lost or, or what we can't do anymore, and to put our focus on what we still have and what we still can do, mm. uh, and to really keep that the focus. I think that keeps our edge sharp. Mm. John, I want to go to legacy because that's an important part of the book. And this idea that when I first read this, it, I kind of stopped and thought about what what's going on in my heart. Mm. And there's a statement in there about everybody wants to be remembered for something, fame, achievements, maybe their wealth. But very few people do anything noteworthy enough for the history books. So what kind of legacy can we realistically expect to leave? I think as a Christian, wow, I mean, that what your legacy should be is, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, that you loved your neighbor, you took care of people when you you could, and uh, loved your family in a way that was, yeah, it was breathtaking. I like that idea. And that you finish well, that, you know, so many times now we see, unfortunately, Christian leaders that aren't finishing well, whatever it might be, pride, you know, sex or money. Um, we speak to that whole mess of things, and then what legacy should we be aiming for? There's a lot in that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, there's a lot in that. You, you know, so many of us are, are familiar with the concept of compounded interest, that uh, you leave your money in the bank and over time it will grow. And I think one of the concepts that came to me in this book is just the the compounded nature of our ordinary days. That Mm -hmm. what I do today may not 
seem very significant, but if I do it faithfully today, tomorrow, the day after that, uh, there's a compounded interest to that, that I may never get a street named after me, but I can potentially impact the lives of those around me because I sought to be faithful to today and tomorrow, and I trusted that God would use that. Yeah, and that is so good. In that area of legacy, you share a story in there about a Swiss chemist. I'm not going to give the name away because I think this is really good. But this gentleman created dynamite, and he didn't want to be known for that. So what did he do? Well, it's a fascinating story. He he created all these weapons of mass destruction, sold them to countries, uh, amassed a huge fortune. And his brother died, and this individual was Alfred uh, Nobel. And by mistake, he saw his obituary published, and he read it, and he was horrified to see how he would be remembered. And that's what prompted him to reassess his life and create the Nobel Peace Prize. Hmm. That's a uh, quite—most people certainly would know him for the Nobel Peace Prize, not that he created dynamite. I didn't know that. So he was able to really reverse that legacy. And to become intentional about what was still in front of him. Hmm. John, I think at a at a more practical level, you know, looking uh, a little lower than the Nobel Peace Prize here, but you had a story in the book about a school teacher who uh, distributed blue ribbons to the class. Describe that story and kind of the pass it on value of what took sure, place. Sure, sure. You know, I think as we grow older, we have a sense to feel overlooked or undervalued by mm. society around us. And well, that's so good. this particular story, there's a school teacher that gave a project to her students, uh, a ribbon that said, who I am is important. And she asked him to take it out to three other people to give it to them. So one student took it to someone who had helped with his uh, career, gave it to him, asked him to pass two more on. That individual gave one to his boss. And his boss that night sat his son down, and he said, uh, the most amazing thing today happened. Someone told me who I am is important, and they asked me to continue this boy's project. I want to give you this tonight because you're important. I don't always acknowledge that with the focus I give you, with the time that I spend with you, uh, but I want to say right now who you are is important. And the boy began to sob, and as the story came out, he confessed after a few moments, he didn't think anyone cared about him, and he was planning on committing suicide that night. Wow, that's a And so just the story. smallest of messages, we need to hear those sometimes yeah. and give mm-hmm. them. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. What if everything you thought you knew about the epic battle between Dr. Regis Blackard and John Avery Whitaker was just the tip of the iceberg? What if there's much more to the story than anyone ever realized? And what if Blackard and Whitaker knew it all along? The Blackard Chronicles from Focus on the Family Publishing, based on the hit audio drama series Adventures in Odyssey. Book one available now at shop.focusonthefamily.ca. Do you worry about tomorrow? Does the future feel uncertain? Is the past too painful to bear? Focus on the Family Canada is here to help, so you never have to walk alone. Every morning, our staff lift up your prayer requests. If your burdens are too much to carry on your own, you can request a free, one-time call with one of our counselors at focusonthefamily.ca today. That's focusonthefamily.ca. We're here to help. Hockey practice, grocery store runs, doctor's appointments. It's no wonder why busy families like yours need two or more vehicles. Deeks Insurance understands, and that's why they can help you save when you insure more than one vehicle. 
It's one of the ways Deeks puts families first. As a licensed insurance brokerage, they've been looking out for families like yours since 1981. Because Deeks believes you should slow down and enjoy life and not worry about car insurance costs. Visit deeksinsurance.ca to get a quote. Deeks Insurance, where family matters. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Talking about living intentionally, our guest today on Focus on the Family is John Goodale. And um, he's written this great book, Finishing Well, Biblical Lessons to Maximize Your Later Years. Look for your copy at focusonthefamily.ca or call 1-800-THE-LETTER-A-AND-THE-WORD-FAMILY. Pastor John, John just mentioned this a moment ago, but this feeling, this reality that as you grow older, you grow weaker uh, physically, emotionally to a degree, and probably spiritually. And that can be overwhelming emotionally to us. We don't like feeling weak. We're not in a culture that lifts up weakness as a as a virtue. virtue, right? So let me ask you, how do we trust that God might have a plan for us in that weakness? I mean, it seems counterintuitive. Well, it, it does. And yet I love the perspective uh, Mike Airy said once. He said, the American dream is to live in our strength. God's dream is that we live in our weakness. Because it's those places of vulnerability that we're reminded how much we need him. Yeah. For that person who may be living in a place where they find it difficult to lean into God, why is it important to remember to lean into God, especially maybe in the fourth quarter of life? I think because we can't do it ourselves. Um, Our bodies are slowing down, and we need that sense of hope that God provides. We need that sense of meaning and purpose uh, that it adds to our lives beyond what our daily uh, activities are. We need the the loving relationship that tells us we are valued. All of those things just create a bigger story for us than whatever my daily circumstances are. No, I like that. You know, one of the things when you do encounter people that are older, you have, yeah, you probably certainly have more than two categories, but generally the one category I'm always impressed by are the uplifting kind of uh, typically humorous, kind of take-it-in-stride kind of attitude. Uh, Usually uh, this is an older man who, you know, he's just got a joyful perspective about life. He's not regretting anything, it seems. You know that personality type I'm talking about? Yeah. And that's what I want to be. I want to be that jolly guy, the joyful guy that, you know, I would have done some things differently perhaps in my life, uh, but you know, I feel like I have served the Lord well, and I can be content in where I'm at. And to help other people experience joy in life, I think that if I aim at something, that may be what I want to aim at. I want to be one of those guys. Gordon MacDonald, in one of his books, uh, has a fascinating chapter, What Kind of an Old Man Do You Want to Be? Mm. And in that chapter, he describes how he looked at the older men around him mm. who were finishing well. And, and sought to identify what were their characteristics that he wanted to make his examples in his life as well. And in that regard, I mean, do you have to set your compass that way? Does it have to be that intentional? How does a person who's in their 50s start to say to themselves, especially if they haven't had that expression, maybe they're having to reconsider the way they're wired. Um, how do you go, wow, I don't want to be a grumpy old man? 
I, you know, I, I was a runner in high school, and I ran the mile, intended to be four laps, and so I always tended to think that third and fourth lap were, were ultimately the most important ones. Didn't matter how I started. Mm-hmm. And I think whether we're in our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, we're in that last quarter, but how we run those last miles is is going to determine how we finish and how we feel about that finish because most people won't remember us from our 20s and 30s they're going to remember us from our yeah, final decades. Not the truth <laughs> that's a good perspective to have uh, pastor john you've talked about the power of gratitude and that might be kind of to jim's question one of those things that can help us become the joyful old person uh, what's gratitude about how do we find gratitude Uh, in the midst of maybe a crumbling body and uh, some difficult circumstances. One of the most important things we can do is notice, just to take the time to look around us, to see those things that are so small that can just easily be overlooked in a day and allow that to begin to fuel Mm. um, a, a sense that there is good in our lives, that there is good around us, and then to express gratitude. Something about expressing gratitude that when we do that, it, it fills us back up within as well. Yeah, that is so good. You know, in the last few minutes here, I just want to talk about hope, which is a uh, certainly a topic within your book. Um, the idea that we need to be people of hope, hope moves us forward. Um, you experienced the power of hope many years ago when you left your home to pursue a PhD. I think from, was it Washington State to California? Uh, right, right. And yet you felt lonely. Uh, what was going on as that experience as a younger man, and how are you applying it to your life today? Sure. Yeah, it was a time when I went down to seminary, moved states, found myself suddenly realizing that the reason I had gone down there wasn't going to be a trajectory for me. And at that point, I didn't know what I was doing. How old were you at that point? I was 27. Okay. And just prayed every day, God, I don't know if I'm supposed to pack up and go back or stay here and what (laughs) classes do I take? And there was just, there was a day where as audibly as I've ever heard in my life, it's as if I sensed God say, you're where I want you to be. And, And I didn't know what that meant. But it was enough to know that I was where God wanted me to be. And I think that is part of what fuels hope for us, a sense that God is still out in front of us, leading us to to wherever it is that he wants us to be next. Let me tease that out a little bit, because I think both for the younger person as well as the older person, when you have that experience, I think many of us could probably look back to our 20s. That decade is full of decisions. And, you know, you're... If you went to college, you're finishing college, you're selecting a, a job, a career. It might be you know, that you're going to get married in that 20-something, early 30-something range. So there's a lot going on. And you can pray that prayer. You can feel what you just expressed. It was so tangible, it was almost audible. I'm right where God needs to be. And then there's two set of circumstances around that. Things start happening very positively. It's an obvious experience then, right? What about the other, though, where you might have felt that, but circumstances aren't making it easy for you to believe that? Mm. What does that person do? Did they make a mistake? Did they not almost hear the Lord? Yeah, well, circumstances can be fickle, can't they? Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think about the psalmist in Psalm 46 as describing all this chaos around him, and yet there's a calm within. And I think when someone senses God is leading them in a way, and then circumstances suggest otherwise, maybe there's something there. But I think that's something we need to spend a lot of time leaning into our community, 
uh, asking those around us who know us well, what do they see? Um, that, that's been a significant experience for me in my life uh, as well in ministry, uh, to listen to those uh, around us that God places us in community. So you mentioned in the book about uh, building and maintaining this reservoir of hope. That sounds great, too. I mean, I want to be that person. How do we do that? I mean, if you come from a hopeful spot, it's probably easier for you. And then you have people that aren't coming from such a hopeful spot, and they're now turning 60, 70, and they don't see much that's Mm. hopeful. Yeah. So what do you do? Yeah, I think hope in general, just hanging out there doesn't propel us forward very well, but if we can try to tan- make it a little more tangential. So, you know, for someone to just look out even in the next week, even in the next month, what is something that I want to try to accomplish? What is something I want to try to experience? God, what is some way that you can use me in this time? And I'm going to worry about the rest of it later. And just to, to have something specific in mind that we can see, something that's realistic enough that we know it's possible, that God really could do this in my life, or he could accomplish this uh, with me, but also something big enough that can keep us moving forward right? Uh, to say this is worth leaning into. You know, one thing uh, that I'm trying to think through ahead of time, being a young man, um, <laughs> is when I'm facing that adversity, whatever it might be physically, I'm in my last days, my last weeks, whatever that might be, and however that might come across. Here's the reality of it. We're all going to face it. Nobody gets to escape death. You can't buy your way out of it. You can't pray your way out of it. It's the equalizer. You came in naked, you're going to leave naked. I mean, there's plenty of scripture that talks about that. That's just a reality. Now for us as Christians, how do we exhibit that in a way that people are like, wow, that guy really knew where he was going? I think one of the the contrast problems I have is that people that are Christian are very worried in those last days. They're, I mean, they've lived their lives with this stake in the ground that I believe in Jesus and I live for Jesus and I take care of the poor for Jesus and I raise my kids in the name of Jesus. And then all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh, I'm not breathing as well as I used to. I want to have that attitude that I know where I'm going. I want to go yahoo from this life to the next. And, uh, man, encourage me that way, that that's the way it should be. You know, one of the blessings of my role working with our older congregation is I get to be alongside those people who are one foot in this world, one foot in the next. And just four days ago, I visited a man who was at that point. And to see so many of these individuals that are just confidently ready to move forward. Now, once in a while, uh, you know, I'll visit someone who doesn't have that confidence. And I think the key is that we wear out a path today, uh, that we wear it deep enough that when we get to that point in life, we're not suddenly trying to figure things out. We figured it out along the way, and we're resting in that at the end. But Mm -hmm. I just love... Love seeing those folks who are at the end, and they have finished the race. You know, and really, honestly, I I would love to be around those people, too, because it is such a great illustration of how to do it well. And uh, I want to be that kind of model, that role model, that I'm not fearing death, and that, uh, you know, just like the apostles, if you kill me this way or kill me that way, it doesn't matter, because I know where I'm going. Can I pray for you before you take my life? I mean, that's confidence, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it probably won't end that way for us, but just having that confidence in God that we know where we're headed to, and this is what we believe. John, this is fantastic. Uh, What a great reminder for people of all ages 
to think about where this is all heading. And you're going to get there. Did you ever think you were going to get there, John? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're going to hit the 60s. You're going to hit the 70s, God willing. And then, you know, then you got to start thinking about how this wraps up. And you have mentioned so many great uh, things to think about in this book, Finishing Well, Biblical Lessons to Maximize Your Later Years. And it's not about working harder. It's just about trusting more. And, uh, John, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me today. If you want to get a copy of this great resource, I think this is one you want to look at and read. Order that directly from Focus on the Family Canada, and when you do, the proceeds will go right back into ministry. We don't pay shareholders with those dollars. So be part of the ministry at Focus Canada and get a great resource. Can we count on you for your generosity today? Donate as you can and uh, request this book, Finishing Well, by John Goodale. Um, Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. Well, we hope you have a great weekend with your family and your church family as well. And then please join us again on Monday for a review of some important questions you should ask before you get engaged. Are you going to go to church together? Are you going to give Uh, Are you going to be in a small group with others? You know, what is it? Are you going to do some Bible studies together? Do you pray together? All those kinds of practices. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.